0: Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now, here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon.
1: Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've gotten a lot of feedback on our show on embryo adoption. If you missed it, it's now available on podcasts and iTunes. You can just go to iTunes and type in Adoption Now. I've had a lot of questions from people just wanting to know about carrying a baby that is not genetically yours, and also people asking me about donating their unused embryos to another family. So that show was very interesting, and it sparked a lot of conversation. Um, If you want to find out the answers to any of those questions, you can go ahead and go to that podcast. It's under Marty and Elizabeth's story. So maybe you're new to adoption now. We tell adoption stories every week on KLTT. We have a new family every single week. We visit a lot of different stories from, uh, like I said, embryo adoption, um, domestic adoption, foster care, uh, international adoption. We have stories on our podcast from India, Africa. I mean, we are growing so fast. And it's very, very exciting that families are starting to apply from all over the United States to tell their adoption stories. We just believe that there's power in sharing your experience and we do get responses every week that people are now connecting to the show. They're learning something new about adoption. Families that are going through similar situations are hearing the show and all of a sudden they don't feel so alone and they have more questions. And so this is what we wanted the show to be. Just a place where people came and they shared their experiences and families were able to to connect and we were able to learn new things from storytelling. And so today I'm excited because we have our first family from Kansas, and Brooke joins us today. Brooke, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And for our listeners, Brooke has her little girl, her second adopted child, with her today. We'll talk about her adoption story later on the program. So Brooke reached out to us and she said, We adopted our son from Denny's. So we were very interested right away. We called her, and we found out that not only did Brooke adopt from Denny's, she adopted again a second time, and her and I do similar things. We do training for PAPs, and PAP stands for Potential Adoptive Parents. So that's just a little lingo in the adoptive world. And she does classes for PAPs in Kansas. So we're going to talk a lot about that, but first, everybody wants to know the story from Denny's. Why did you and your husband choose adoption?
0: Um, We chose adoption because I found out when I was in sixth grade I was not going to be able to have children biologically, so we decided adoption was going to be the route that we would build our family.
1: And how did you get connected to this little boy? Two
0: years before I even met my husband, I went to a premier jewelry party at my aunt's house and met somebody, and I decided I'd have a party at my new apartment, and and uh, she called me out of the blue almost two years later saying she was having a party at um, her house selling um, jewelry, the lady that was selling her selling jewelry for my house. And I wasn't able to make it, but she found out I wasn't teaching at the time. So we went to dinner because she thought maybe I'd like to sell some permanent jewelry. And we just started talking. And I said, yeah, we'll probably start the adoption process in about a year. And she goes, well, I know somebody. And it happened to be my son's birth mom. Within the two years of Premier Jewelry, I had gotten married and moved.
1: And so, was the woman that she was thinking of pregnant? My
0: son had already been born. She was six week. He was about six weeks old. Her, her niece was making the adoption plan.
1: Okay, so she had taken home the baby, but she she couldn't take care of him. Correct. Okay, she
0: had a fourteen month old
1: were you home study ready?
0: Uh, no, we were not home study ready at the time. We got home study ready pretty darn quick. We got custody of signed um through power of attorney and then completed the home study process and the adoption
1: process. So what did that look like? I mean, okay, so she says this and you know, in the process, we had that too. People said, oh, we know somebody and for some reason or not, it just kind of dissolved. But Here, this person is saying, I have it. My niece is going to give her baby up, and this is a good connection. And so when did you first meet her or reach out to her?
0: So we found out about her on a Thursday um, evening. We met up. We talked to her on Friday and met up with her on Sunday. And we got her son on Wednesday.
1: Oh, my goodness. Is this in Kansas? Yes. Yes. Wow. That is really fast. And so why did she tell you any of her backstory or did you have to go through birth dad? And um,
0: she was not aware who the father was. So um, we did everything we needed to, to try to track him down and uh, notify him and weren't able to, but um, we did everything posting and all of that. But um, her backstory was, Pretty much she was 19 years old. She already had a 14-month-old at the time and was just not able to give both kids what she felt they needed. And she wanted open adoption. She had planned on adoption throughout the pregnancy, but other people had convinced her that she could parent and they would help. And that kind of fell through the wayside. When, um, after our son was born, she just realized she wasn't getting the support that she thought she was going to have and that she needed.
1: And so when she met you, did she feel instantly that this was a right connection? Correct. She had
0: already um, called social services to, um, or not social services, but the adoption agency she originally was going to use. And they had um, custody of our son, and she was going to be choosing adoptive parents the following week. And she called the agency back and decided she changed, said she changed her mind and found adoptive parents and gave him to us.
1: Okay. So on a Wednesday, you guys meet at Denny's. Right. And what was that like?
0: Um, It was awesome. Um, She was amazing. Her grandmother was with her and um, we had a meal and. Sat around and talked and took pictures and made plans to meet up again. And she was amazing. And we just started building a relationship with her.
1: You took the baby home at that point?
0: Yes. We had um, a power of attorney that was notarized. So if anything medically happened, we could take care of it.
1: Okay. And did she have any second thoughts after she had handed the baby to you? I mean, because she's now had the baby for, you know, almost two months Mm hmm
0: She absolutely says no, she didn't. Um, She she told us the whole time she was pregnant, she just did not feel like this baby was hers, and she just had to find the family for her baby.
1: Wow, that is amazing. I mean, people are listening to this right now, and they're like, wow, in a couple days, you had a child.
0: Yes, we weren't even planning on starting the process for a little while, because My husband and I had just gotten married. That was in June of 2009, and this is September.
1: I just think that, um, you know, what you do now, I mean, the whole story launched you into what you do. And I love talking to these families. I mean, I just think I have the best job on earth because I have (laughs) adopted children. And once you start talking to another mother who has adopted, it's like the conversation doesn't end. I mean, I think you and I talked for an hour and a half. We did. Because we had so much in common, and there were so many things to talk about. And there's just this understanding between adoptive moms that um, really connects us and makes us feel not alone. And we laugh about the process, and you can kind of – I mean, we don't even know each other. We're across the states, but we had these moments together on the phone where we're like, oh, my gosh, yes, I understand that. And your story, Mm -hmm. like our story, launched you into what you do now. And you help families – find birth mothers because you believe that because you started talking about it you were connected to your son yes so you teach families how to market themselves uh just around and kind of network so that they it's known that they are going to adopt and through that process hopefully get matched to a birth mother so you're not dependent on an agency let's talk a little bit about that how do you do that
0: you create a little profile about your family and your daily life together and support system that you have. And um, we created a Facebook page and a website that was like a digital profile. I uh, shared it through social media and had friends share it. And um, I sent it out to maturing homes and agent- agencies and lawyers that help match at reasonable fees and um, that I believe to be ethical with the way they do adoptions. And through that process, we were matched with our second um, adoption. Um, I believe that the more people know that you're looking to adopt, the more connections you'll find. And you'll find a baby out there that's meant to be in your family that way.
1: So you started a website called Fuller Arms Adoption. You do training and you help families, exactly what you just said, you know, connect to um, birth mothers and get your, your face out there, so to speak. Um, some people don't want to do that. They, they would rather an agency handle it. And that's a great way to do it as well. But the great thing about what Brooke is talking about is she can help you find a birth mother and your adoption can be under $8,000. Is that true?
0: Um, That is true. We adopted both of our children for around eight, and that includes our home study as well.
1: And that's, if you're listening in Kansas, that's a great way in Kansas. Now, in Colorado, it might be a little bit more than that, um, just because our mm -hmm. home studies are really expensive here.
0: Yeah, every state has their own laws, so it just depends on where you're at.
1: That's an interesting point just as far as state to state. Now, every family, if you are in the process, you have to know your state law and you have to know if that's okay for you. So in Colorado, we didn't really know state law. We just found an agency and we were matched to our son and we happened to find an agency that was very inexpensive. Uh, I think we paid a total of eight thousand dollars for the whole process. What we didn't like in Colorado is that you have to wait six months to finalize. And we wanted to finalize a lot sooner. And so for our daughters, we went to Florida because there are some states that finalize much, much quicker. Um... The birth mom doesn't have as much time to change her mind, and uh, they're pro-child state as opposed to pro-blood state, and that just means that in a pro-blood state, they're going to be looking for family members. Um, The birth mothers have a lot more rights in a pro-blood state. But as far as state to state, for us, it was pro-child. So. The judge is going to look, was the birth dad around? If he wasn't around during pregnancy, then most likely his rights are going to be terminated faster. Um, so all of those things, I mean, I could go into a whole uh, you know, show on just that, but all of those different aspects of adoption, you just want to look into, and so in kansas it sounds like you can go and adopt for you know much cheaper you can kind of avoid using agencies to try to match you and brooke is there to kind of help you on the way now for me if i was listening to this i would talk to brooke if i was going to make a plan i would talk to brooke to start the process and i would go this route Although I know that it it would probably be a little bit more than eight thousand, just because the home studies here can start at about five thousand dollars, anywhere between three and five, and then you have to do post placement. Um, so it's going to run you maybe seven thousand on the Colorado side, but that's still so much cheaper. Most families are paying around twenty five thousand base just for an infant.
0: Yeah, and twenty five thousand is actually considered cheap.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and people who don't know adoption are just, they just can't believe that. Why do you think right. it's $25,000, Brooke?
0: There are a lot of factors. You have overhead costs with agencies. Um, it's just ridiculous sometimes, um, too. There's a lot of agencies that don't always do exactly what they promise, and Sometimes there's birth mother expenses that they claim that you have to pay and that birth mother doesn't see some of them, Mm -hmm. some of that expense or, um, not, sometimes they don't even request for the expense, but you're still responsible for paying it, but the agency can pocket it. The agency can also negotiate with the birth mom Mm
1: -hmm. or
0: the expectant mom who's making an adoption plan and, say, well, we'll give you 1500 even though the adopted couple is paying 5 So, So you just have to be very careful with um, the agencies that you use and make sure they're extremely transparent on all ends.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'd also say look at what other people have said about them. Read those Yelp comments. Read those reviews. When I talked to Brooke for the first time, and if you have been following this show at all, um, we have, my family and I have also told our story, our adoption story, and that's on podcast. But we ran into a situation with a lawyer that took advantage of us, and he was getting money from us and not giving it to our birth mother. And we found out that he didn't do any paperwork for her. She did not have Medicaid. So when she delivered, the the hospital handed us, you know, a $75,000 bill. That was still being added on to because our baby was in the hospital in the NICU. And there was no paperwork for her. And so this responsibility was huge for us. I mean, the process was already hard enough, but now we have all this money we have to pay. And how can we figure this out? And so it was very difficult for us at the time. And so when I talked to Brooke, you know that lawyer.
0: I I have heard that lawyer through talking to other uh, women that have worked with him and placed through him. And the stories I have heard are not very pretty.
1: It was so validating. Let me just say that when we tell the story, everyone's like, no way, that doesn't happen. And then when I meet you and you're like, I have worked with people who have come out of working from him, and it's been terrible. Um, But he's not a lawyer anymore. He lost his license, and I think he sells houses now. So we praise God that we had some vindication there. Um, And and this is another point, that just connecting with other moms— Maybe they know the same person that you've worked with, or maybe they they know an agency and they can help you. It is really, really important in this community that we have together, state to state, um, this connection of what we've been through is important to really foster and have in your life. If you are a mom who's a foster mom and you don't have adoptive um, or a foster mom or adoptive mom, and you don't have friends that have gone through it as well. We would just invite you to look on our page um, and connect. Connect as much as you can because once I talked to Brooke, I told my husband, hey, she knows people, and this really does happen. And so how can we help families avoid that and not um, be taken advantage of and also make sure the money goes to the birth mom?
0: One thing to look out for is red flags from the expectant mom or the lawyer. Are they taking a long time to get back to you? Make sure again, you've gotten feedback from other people that have actually used them. There's some wonderful Facebook sites that you can get onto for, to avoid scams and people post about different scams that they've come across, naming names, and you can ask questions about people that you've worked with or that they've worked with. Um, The American Academy of Adoption Lawyers is a great way to find a good lawyer. Once you have narrowed down your lawyers, I would go through and read all the reviews and then just trust your gut as well is another thing I always tell parents. If the expectant mom is not giving you full information, seems like she's not telling you the the full truth, trust it.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. We have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more to Brooke about her second adoption. And she has great advice on how to write letters to the birth mom, because that can be really hard, and that's part of the process. She has great advice on how to market yourself, how to get yourself out there, and know what's available to you as far as adoptive parents. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back.
0: This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670KLTT.com.
1: Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now, let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story.
0: Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver.
1: Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Brooke from Kansas, and Brooke has an organization called Fuller Arms Adoption. And in this process, she helps people be matched and find birth mothers that are looking to give their babies up for adoption. So in doing that, she can waive a bunch of fees. And today we're talking to her because she's adopted two children She told her story in the first segment about, um, adopting her son from Denny's and literally she found out about him on Thursday and she picked him up a week later. And so now you bring the son home. How did he adjust to your family? Because he's two months.
0: He did really well. We really talked to his birth mom about his routine and what he, um, was used to and did as much as that as possible. And he just blended right in. It was fantastic. So he how was long? Through the night, in a week, and did great.
1: That's great. How long did you wait until you decided again to adopt?
0: Our son was about six years old when we adopted
1: again. During this process, you learned a ton of things, which is why we do what we do as well, as we've been through it and. Um, we just experience so much, and so we help other families, and you did the same thing. You went right. through it, and you decided again, hey, I'm going to market myself. I'm going to call lawyers. I'm going to be out there actively pursuing adoption. So how did you do that?
0: I did a um, Facebook page. I did uh, a website that was promoted through Facebook and other social media routes. Um, I also called lawyers and maternity homes and any other place I could think of that uh, would help and keep my profile to hopefully be matched. Um, In the process, I called some lawyers that wanted to charge me a thousand dollars just to keep a packet of paper. I quickly moved on and called other lawyers that were willing to help match and keep a profile if they came across the situation. And in that process, we connected with our daughter's uh, birth mom she was about five months along when we connected it was through a friend of my husband's that from elementary school someone he really didn't even talk to a whole lot but happened to be on facebook and saw our website and long story short she connected us and we have our daughter
1: That's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. I use, you know, I get stuck on one word in every interview, but this interview is amazing because, you know, you hear about people that sit on a list for two years, three years, they never get matched Mm -hmm. or they keep getting matched and and the baby keeps falling through. The mom chooses to parent. And so it seems like Mm -hmm. the two of your adoptions have been relatively smooth. It's
0: been amazingly smooth, and I count my blessings every day because of it. I talk to so many adoptive couples that it's not that smooth, and we were just extremely fortunate. I think our first situation with her son already being born was helped a lot, and I think that made it a lot smoother. Our second situation, um, she was a foster child, and she did not want that for her daughter's And she was in a situation that that's exactly where our daughter would have ended up had she not made an adoption plan. Had a very open adoption with her and see her about once a month. And it's been great.
1: And so you are pro-open adoption?
0: Extremely pro-open adoption. If it's in best interest for the child, there are situations where it may not be safe or other kinds of things that can limit how open you can have it. But as open as you can have it it is what's best, I think, for everyone involved in the adoption process.
1: Do you think that adoptions are not smooth oftentimes because possibly the parents are not as involved as they could be and they're just relying on an agency?
0: Um, I think so, yeah. If you're just relying on your agency, you don't know what's been told to the expectant mom. And what's being told to you. I've come across situations that they're being told two different things. And once they finally talk to the expectant mom, it comes—it becomes very clear that they're being told two different things. And you can't trust somebody 110% to make sure everything's done. You have to be proactive.
1: I agree with and that. And
0: if you're not proactive, you're running a risk of, Things
1: happening I completely agree and but I only know that because of my experience because I've been through it so many mm-hmm. times and the ones that were smoother and um, you know the the child came home with us were times that we connected with the birth mom and I always tell everyone, You know, sometimes they say, oh, we're connected, but we're going to meet when she delivers. And I say, if you can fly out there right now or wherever she is, drive out there or take her out to eat. Meet her first so that she can develop a relationship with you because she wants to be cared about. And I'm also an advocate for open adoption, as you said, if it works and if you can. But it's very helpful for The child, it's very helpful for the mother because she doesn't feel like she's losing. You're taking the baby and disappearing. She's a part of the baby's life in some way, and it might just be pictures. You know, it doesn't have to be at your house and having birthday parties, although some people choose that. And so Mm -hmm. I feel that if you can facilitate a situation where later on your child says asks you questions about your their birth mother and family, and you can say, "Here's pictures. We were so ha- all of us were happy that day. All of us knew each other." It seems to be a better response from the child.
0: Absolutely, and I think it's more comforting for the expectant mom to know, okay, this child is going to be loved, and look at this amazing family I've chosen. And I really do know them and they do care about me. And I do feel comfortable that they're going to love my child and take care of it and be involved and let me be involved Mm -hmm. in whatever agreement we made. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think that um, I love what you do because you also connect families to birth mothers who want relationship and um, they're caring and, you know, they're not trying to make money unfortunately, and maybe you've never heard this before, and I hate to burst your bubble and the whole adoption process, but there are women out there that are selling their babies. They're on baby number nine, they're on baby number 10, and they know in certain states they're going to get a lot of money. You're going to be paying them per month up to $1,500 per month. And after post-placement, they can get anywhere between five dollars to $7,000 after they sign that paperwork. And, they, and it doesn't mean that they aren't caring. It just means they know what they're doing. And when you get roped into that kind of situation, you might get the baby, but it, it's hard. It is hard when that mother is manipulating you and taking advantage of you and you're trying to love her and you're trying to have an open adoption and, and you just feel overwhelmed. And so what Brooke is really trying to do and say is, hey, let's look at the red flag so that you don't get into that situation at all.
0: Absolutely. And there are some that try to... Even make a adoption plan with every intention of parenting. Right. Just to get the money.
1: And so if she just found out she's pregnant and you're paying $1,500 per month, that's a lot of money that's gone. She doesn't have to pay you mm-hmm. anything back. And so you've lost over $9,000 and she had the intent of parenting. So I, I really want to be an advocate as well to say, just be so careful. And some of those tips you said, I wish I had met you. <laughs> you know, earlier on in in our adoption process, because you're right. Um, If they're not calling you back, if they're, if the lawyer or agency is extremely degrading to you and tells you things like, well, I can find another family. If you don't want to pay it, I can find another family. If the birth mom Mm -hmm. keeps disappearing and then coming back, oftentimes they're working with two different agencies. We discovered that the hard way as well. So let's talk a little bit about Um, one of the things I think is the hardest part of the whole process is, well, number one, you know, avoiding all of those pitfalls. But in the journey, you have to do a lot of paperwork. And so when you're talking about yourself, it's easy. When you are, you know, giving information that you know, you know, you are talking about your marriage with your husband, you're being interviewed, they're in your house. That to me was the easy part. The hardest part of the whole process was when you're about to write the letter to your birth mom. First of all, you don't know her. You haven't exactly. been matched yet. And so it's this mystery woman, and I sat with my pen and my piece of paper, and I had no idea. And so you help families in that process. What, what's advice that you give them?
0: Be honest. Be who you are. The truth always comes out anyway, so don't pretend to be something you think they're going to want in a family. Use proper adoption language. And if you don't know what that is, Google it. And make, so you're not making saying things that are offensive and can degrade the whole process and make her feel like what some other people may think she is.
1: I think one of the things I learned, and this is just normal and natural, is to talk a lot about the baby. And really, Mm -hmm. they don't want you to really talk about the baby. And don't call it your baby. I never call it my baby. And she's my they're my babies now. But during the process, I always ask, how's your baby? How's how's the baby? I never said, how's our baby? When we were in the hospital, I did not say like, look at our baby. No, it's her baby. That's her baby. When she my birth moms text me now. I never say our baby is doing this. Our we just don't use that terminology because how it's degrading to her to feel like she's going to feel like that. That's my baby. So in your letter, mm-hmm. don't say anything really much about the baby. But what else can you say? You can talk about your family and like you said, be honest. And you know, I talk to a lot of birth moms and they say, it really wasn't about the words. They said they had a golden retriever. And I wanted my kid to grow up around. I mean, I'm serious. Like one little thing. Exactly. Yes. It is one little thing that they
0: connect to. And so you st- talk about your family, you talk about your friends, you talk about what you hope to be able to do as a family, and you offer th- your support to them as well and understanding of their situation. Not that Unless you've been in a situation, you can't understand it, but you can sympathize and be there for them and be their support system as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's a very difficult line is because you want to be really supportive and loving, but then you want to protect your family. And so you get confused at how to have successful relationships. What are some of the things Mm -hmm. you do with your birth mothers?
0: I talk to them about how they're doing, what they're needing, what they're wanting from the relationship. One thing I also tell, make sure of is that they're getting some counseling and they have people in their corner that support adoption and Mm -hmm. people who have been there. Birth Mom Buds is a great organization, and I refer a lot of parents to that.
1: Oh, tell me again what that organization is. Birth Mom Buds. It's an organization that helps women
0: who are making an adoption plan or who have made an adoption plan. And they offer support of women that have been there and done that.
1: And once again, that's Birth Mom Buds, B-U-D-S? Uh-huh. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you said that because there is a place that they can go to get support and find community. And, you know, it is hard for birth mothers during birthdays and during holidays and on Mother's Day. And so we as adoptive parents, we have a role in helping them. We really do. And adoption has changed. And so back in the day, you know, they quietly had a baby and the other family took the baby and it was there was no help for them you know, and open adoption wasn't even heard of. Everything was closed. But now things are totally different. And so as adoptive parents, we have a role to play in their healing process and in their role in the child's life. And so finding that out can be really difficult. But if you're considering adoption in a domestic adoption, really, really do your research on how to be a good adoptive parent and what is your role and how can you facilitate a healthy open adoption? So Brooke, Tell me about your second adoption. So you get matched to her. She's five months, and she goes to have the baby. What was that like? Uh Were you in the room? Um,
0: We were in the room. She also even invited my 16-year-old stepdaughter into the room as well. So I held one wedding. My daughter held the other, and it was amazing. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah, it was so cool. We— Uh, She was induced on a Tuesday, and our daughter was born on a Thursday. It was a long process for inducing, but it all worked out great, and I hung out in the room with her and the baby, and my husband and daughter had their own room, and our son joined us after the baby was born, and it was awesome.
1: See, that's what's possible when you start the relationship early. She must have really trusted you and your family.
0: Absolutely. She calls us her uh, adoptive parents as well. So Aww. People we had a teen we got a teenager and a newborn.
1: We have that too. The parents say, You adopted us too. And I think uh-huh. it's a wonderful <laughs> thing. I mean they call us they say you love us more than then our parents love us and they call us and talk to us about the things going on in our life. And in fact, sometimes they call and don't even ask, you know, how's their little girl? They just call and want to tell us about their lives. You know, so we have this exactly. relationship. And before, Brooke, I would never have done this. I would I was very much like, I just want my children to be with me. And if I'm doing adoption, open adoption seems so scary. And now I can just see really how beautiful it can be.
0: Absolutely. been we adopted my son. I had no idea that the relationship would end up being the way it was, and we agreed with for open adoption, obviously. But um, we only agreed to meet up a couple times a year, and slowly but surely, we just kept building that relationship. And I mean, before I know it, we're meeting up to go to Worlds of Fun with the kids and go to the park and go swimming, just all the time, and just helping our son stay connected to his brothers.
1: That's so great. You might be listening to the show and say, well, that's not possible with ours. And we are not saying push a relationship if the mother does not want a relationship. And we're not saying it always works out if there are drugs and alcohol involved or maybe you adopted through the foster care system and it's not healthy at all. There's been abuse. We are not promoting it at all if it can't work. But if it can work, Absolutely. opening your heart up to that and, and really taking that path, it can seem scary, but, you know, you have somebody to call. As an adoptive mom, I call uh, my youngest daughter's birth mom all the time because she has other children. I'm like, hey, are they allergic to dogs? Are they, you know, because they can see things that my daughter does. And I'm like, I wonder if the other kids are. I wonder if this runs in the family. I wonder what her medical history is. She's only a phone call away to ask those questions.
0: Absolutely. And answer your kids' questions, too, as they arrive. And your kids don't have to wonder. So if it can work, it's amazing. And just keep an open mind. Every situation is different.
1: Brooke, how can people get a hold of you if they have more questions?
0: They can call me on my cell phone, 816-820-6447. Or they can find my website, Fuller Arms Adoption Education.
1: Thank you so much for being on the show. We'll have you back on because we're going to talk about maternity homes and you have a lot of information um, just about finding mothers who are pregnant. I didn't even know maternity homes were still around, but you said there's one in Kansas. So we have a lot more things to talk about and you're going to be back on the show. Okay, absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning into Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. We'll see you next week.